in your Bible today to the book of Romans, chapter number 12, please. Romans, chapter number 12. And uh, we just spend a little time together. If you notice the, uh, the, the screens gives us our sermon title. It, I thought he was going to give us the theme for the year, but worthy of him this year. I think that's a tremendous theme and a tremendous thought that everything we do this year ought to be worthy of him. Uh, we're his witnesses. We're uh, his people. And everything we do, say, go, ought to be worthy of him. That's our emphasis this year. Look in your Bible, if you would, please. Romans chapter 12. Someone told me I needed to keep it short this morning on account of my throat. They was going to cut it if I did not, because I think there's a game starts at 12, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't watch the silly stuff, but I lie a lot about it. The Bible says in verse 33 of Romans chapter number 11, the reason I said 12 is because it's just right above 12, and I knew it'd be easier for you to find 12 and it would be 11, right? Listen to this. All oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Look at this. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompense unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. What? How many of us gave first? Without him, we'd have nothing to give. Why would we get upset when we are taught godly, biblical principles on how to handle what God has given to us? And of course, automatically, when I mention stewardship, Everybody runs and says, well, he's talking about the tithe again. All he talks about down there is money. Then why are you so surprised when I mention it? <laughs> Stewardship is not about money. Stewardship encompasses money. But which of you gave to God first? 
He's the giver. Notice, please don't get that turned around. Had not been it for God, you wouldn't even be here. You say, well, I didn't make but $100 this week. Without God, you wouldn't have made that. Because God gave you the health to go do that. So I would like to talk to you today about a sacrifice worthy of him. Verse 1 of chapter 12. I beseech you therefore. Therefore what? Because the depths of his riches of wisdom and knowledge. Because he first gave to us. And because all things are of him. And all things are through him. And to him and all things to whom be glory forever. Because of all of that. Because of the goodness of God. Because God has been so good to us. Therefore, because of the mercies of God, I beseech thee that you present your bodies. Now look at me. God don't want your money. He wants you. God did not die for your money. He had that before you got here. God died for you. If you don't give, God is not going to go bankrupt. If you don't give, you are the one who's going to go bankrupt. Because you reap what you sow. I beseech you, Paul said, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God never asks us anything that is not unreasonable. God said, I'll give you 100% if you'll just give me 10. The Bible said, and be not conformed, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our Father, today, we thank you so very much that you have been good to us, that you have been merciful to us. Unlike Israel, your chosen nation that has been set aside because of unbelief, we today are saved by grace and not of works. By your mercy, you've saved us. 
By mercy, you've blessed us. And by grace, you continue to bless us. Lord, I thank you today. You've been so good to us. Now, I pray today that you'd help me in just these very short moments as I try to explain and try to teach and try to preach that any sacrifice that we make, it should be worthy of him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Notice to whom Paul is addressing the text today in verse number one. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, for chapters previous to this, God has been teaching and preaching concerning Israel. Now, this week, we've had a lot of Israel in the news, have we not? Too bad our president don't know what side of that Israeli deal we need to be on. Too bad he didn't read Genesis 12. Those that bless us, we'll bless them. And I'm just thinking, dear God, January, let's go on. But now he is no longer addressing Israel. Israel has been kind of set aside because of their unbelief. And now he is addressing Gentile believers in Rome, such as us. Gentiles who have been saved by the grace of God. And because we've been saved by the grace of God, we have become the children of God. The Bible said, to as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So now he is addressing brethren. Brethren who have been saved not by law, but by grace. Brethren who now experience not law and justice, but mercy. And because of the mercies of God, Paul is writing to these believers in Christ and said, because you've experienced mercy, because you have have experienced grace, because your sins have been washed away, because Christ has paid the ultimate sacrifice for your sins, because of all of that, because of the mercies of God, I beg you, I plead with you, I beseech thee that you do something that is out of the ordinary. Present yourselves. As that Hebrew man once a year would come to the door of the tabernacle and bring an animal from his herd, one without spot, one without blemish, one that is of the first year, and bring that sacrifice to the, to the tabernacle door and there present that offering for his sin to be postponed a year, present that sacrifice once and for all. Finally, bring it to the priest. Present it to the priest. Turn your back. It's gone. It's presented. I want you not to bring an animal. 
Because Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, has been sacrificed for us, an offering. And we no longer have to bring animals, but God is saying he wants a sacrifice from you today. Because of the mercies of God, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to him. And so God says to us today, we need to present an offering to God that is worthy of him. One that is without blemish. One that is acceptable. One that is holy. One that is freely and totally, voluntarily placed at the foot of the altar of God. And it stays there forever because it has been presented to God. Well, what does he want? Ten percent? You folks who's ducking at ten percent, you really going to duck at this one. You folk who squeeze a nickel till the buffalo grunt. You said you're making me mad. Do you see any concern in that eye? I think God's about tired of this weak need, pansy-wansy kind of I'll serve God when I feel like it kind of Christianity. You say, you're going to run me off? You wasn't here to start with. I read one time, if they go out from among us, they were never of us. See, Bible don't run Christians. Bible draws Christians. Listen to me now. I beseech thee. I beseech thee, God says. I plead with you. I beg with you. Present your body a living sacrifice. One that is worthy of the sacrifice that he has made. Ephesians 5 and 2, and walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. You see, Paul is writing to Christians and he's saying to Christians, don't follow Israel. They were disobedient and did not drive out the inhabitants. And because they did not drive out these things in their life, they became a stumbling block to them all their life. How many of us have the same reserves in our life that we reserve for ourselves and they're the very thing that hinders us from serving our Lord. For instance, Israel did not drive out the inhabitants and so they lived in warfare continually because of their greed. They attended weddings that they should not have tended because of their lust. 
because they did not drive these things out of their life and drive these uh, folks out, they begin to worship like the other nations did and they turn to idolatry. What has America done? Have you heard anything about weddings this year? You're welcome. You know why folk get uptight when we have stewardship? Greed. Well, it's my money. Well, oh, you're the first one that gave to God first? No. Instead of Israel changing the world, the world changed Israel. The same thing's happening to the church. Churches are becoming worldly and the world is becoming churchy. You can't tell the difference. And, and so what happened was God's chosen people begin to conform to the world. And he writes these folks and says, don't conform to the world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, a sacrifice worthy of him. Notice, we're to change the world one person at a time. Notice the Bible said, and be not conformed, but be it transformed. Now, I don't know too much about languages, I know I tear the English language up real well. How would you like to have an audience like this? Three times a week for one hour each time, being critical of what you say and how you say it and the English you do not have and what little you do have, you tear it up. And I see glee running across your face. Say, oh, you made a mistake. How would you like to do that? The first thing that needs to happen if we're going to change this world, number one, we need to change ourselves. Like the caterpillar crawling around on its nasty little belly for that thing to ever become what God wants it to become there must be a transformation called a metamorphosis something begins to happen inside that little ugly decrepit vile looking little worm it don't happen from the inside out I mean, the outside in. Something begins to happen that you don't really see on the inside. And when God's metamorphosis is finished, something beautiful begins to happen and manifests itself outside and the beautiful little butterfly flies away. The same thing should happen in the life of every Christian. When they get saved, something begins to happen on the inside. 
And as the Word of God begins to take root and begins to flourish and begins to manifest itself, that ugly little sinner that was on their way to hell, that was uh, in wrath against God, rebelling against God, something begins to happen as the Word of God begins to take root and begins to manifest itself out and the frown begins to turn into a smile and the hurt turns into glee and a step and the step in, in your walk begins to be joyous and a smile talks about heaven and we're not worried about hell and suddenly the butterfly of Christianity springs out and somebody says, what happened to that nut? Oh, he got saved. He got saved. You say, well, I don't have that. Then why don't you just get saved today? And let God do something on the inside that will change the outside. And that's what Paul is talking about. He said, don't be like Israel. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't depend on what they can get. Come, bring your body, lay it on the altar of God, present a living sacrifice, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We all need to be changed. There has to be a presentation of our bodies. There must be a separation from the world. There must be a transformation inside. And there must be a demonstration and proving what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. (coughs) You say... <clears throat> I've been serving my wife so much lately. I don't know how to pick up exactly where he left off. How would you like to have the crowd I have being critical of everything you do and it's not even the sermon that you prepared? I, I, I don't know how to even begin to present what he was doing. I do know that I could see where he was going in verse 2, as the Bible says, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, this evening, I actually am, am, am going to be speaking about the will of God in our lives. And what I've learned about the will of God is when you find the will of God, and I tell our teenagers all the time, it's not something mystical or, 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 or many people try finding this universe's will through newspaper articles about their uh, whether they're a Leo or a Capricorn. No, 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 no. A Christian, when they find the will of God for their life, they find happiness. But what is more unique is the Bible says that ye may prove... Who are you proving it to? 
Well, you're not proving it to yourself because you ha- you're in the will of God. You know it more than anybody else. And, and others may be critical. Others may say, well, what are they doing? But, but who are you proving it to? Those around you. You see, when you find the will of God for yourself by, by transforming your, your mind and, and your, your, your body and, and, and conforming yourself to what God wants us to do and not what the world wants to do, and when you're in the will of God in this regard, what is so amazing is others take note. That ye may prove what is that good. You see, when you're in the will of God, it's good. It's acceptable, maybe not to everyone. The Bible tells us that Jesus promises, no doubt, if the world hated me, it will also hate you. Oh, it's not going to love the uh, uh, disciple if the teacher was hated. And so uh, we may not be accepted by everybody, but here's the most important part. We'll be accepted by God. We may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, I liked what preacher said at offering time. Let's live or let's prepare or let's finish with no regrets. Many times I've said at funerals before and there's been a casket there. And the preacher almost has to make up what to say. And and honestly, it's one of the most difficult times to watch a preacher be forced by family members and others And just the situation at hand, almost to craft lies. You're asking a preacher to craft lies about someone that sits in front of him. It's disrespectful to tell the truth, because if he told everything that scumbag did, everybody would say, Woo, what am I doing here today? You see, but when you live within the will of God by transforming, as was demonstrated by the caterpillar to the butterfly, as... And when we conform to what God's will for our life is, and not what this world is calling us to be, when we do all of these things, we can live a life and look back on it in our deathbed and say, I lived a perfect life. Oh, I was not always perfect, but when I found the will of God for my life, I did it with everything that I could. And the most resounding lesson of this particular passage And I hear he's just about done coughing, so I'll turn it back over to him. But this is what I like about this passage. When you present, it is voluntary. You see, there is no draft when it comes to doing the will of God for your life. God gives you a voluntary volition. It is your choice. And frankly and unfortunately, too many Christians choose not to present. It's a call to arms for the Christian that says, I have something for you that will be the fulfillment of your life if you will follow it. But you must present. You must volunteer. As we start this new year, you cannot just say, well, I hope I can some of the times live for God. And I'll tell you what, it's intimidating all that it takes to be a Christian. It's a lot. Everybody else is critical of us. You ever noticed how the world is more critical of Christians when they screw up than they are of their own when they screw up? It's a lot to be a Christian, but God promises us, if you will present, you can prove what is that good 
and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I'm going to let the cleanup hitter come and finish it up. Now please let me show you three areas that God wants you to present. Number one, your body. Verse one, your body. Your body. God needs a vehicle. Your body is what you relate to the world with. And God needs vehicles to relate to this world. To carry the message of God to this world. The Bible talks about, know ye not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us today, if we've been saved, we are absolutely the vehicle of God. We are carrying around the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. Demons desire a vehicle by which to carry out their dastily dirty deeds. In the book of Mark, We are introduced to a young man by the name of Legion who is filled with demons, who is naked, living in the tombs, supernatural strength. And Jesus comes by and and, uh, casts these demons out. And the Bible said that there were many. God wants our bodies presented because our bodies... Is God's vehicle by which we are to change the world. Most of us want to give God our extra vehicle, not the best one. God wants our body because it is a vehicle. God need, needed a vehicle to redeem us. Have you read? John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God needs vehicles today by which to carry out his work in the world. And he wants your body, which is your reasonable service. You said, well, I thought we was talking about money. No, we're talking about you. If God has you, he has your money. And God don't need our money, but he sure needs vehicles by which to be a witness for him. Present your body a living sacrifice. How about... Present our minds. The Bible said, and be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Your mind is the motor for the body. Where your body goes, your mind was already there. Where your mind says go, your body obeys. As goes the mind, so goes the body. This old world is wanting our mind. 
And this world is wanting the minds of our children. The world wants to control our mind through education. One of the most dangerous things in the world is to turn your kids loose in a secular college today known as higher education. You know who's training the liberals of today? You would think that most of our politicians were educated in Russia. They think nothing about killing innocent babies. And they don't mind us paying to have them killed. In fact, they look at us and not very tolerant at all to us because we don't want our tax money spent in certain avenues. We're just dumb conservatives because we haven't been educated yet. The world wants your mind and it's trying to get our minds through education, through music. I, I don't know why anybody would have the nerve to call rap music. I, I think it should be spelt with a C. Now, I don't know where your minds are. That's why we need to present them a living sacrifice, right? But the world, like God, wants your mind. Because if we can take care of the motor, the motor will take care of the body. If we take care of the motor, the vehicle will go where the body needs to go. And God says, I want your body presented to me as a living sacrifice. But I need you a transformed mind. I need you to get out of the caterpillar world and start flapping like a butterfly. Using music, technology. Dear Lord, I know that technology is good. Until late at night when the wife goes to bed and the husband starts watching pornography on a television that also can produce good. Now, I know that technology is good. But some of you folks are absolutely addicted to your cell phone. I dare you to put it down and don't pick it up for a day. Just a day. Lose it and don't have a nervous breakdown. Don't advertise what's going on in your life. Who cares? I mean, let's go on. Don't. Advertise it when your pet rock has little rocks and your pet flea died because your dog died first. Dear God, what in the world's happening to our minds? The world wants to control our minds through politics. I can't imagine grown college kids needing a flea to pet because Trump won the election. Dear God, what are we going to do with fleas now that Trump is in the White House? 
that world wants your mind and uses contemporary ideas and philosophies. Romans 8 and 5 said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. God wants us to present our bodies a sacrifice worthy of Him. God wants us to present our minds a sacrifice worthy of Him. And in two minutes, I'll be done. And God wants our wills presented to Him worthy. The will determines whether the motor runs and the motor determines where the body goes. You see, our minds control our bodies, but our will controls our mind. And for it to be a sacrifice worthy of him, God wants it all. He wants our will, our mind, and our bodies. Why? Because he purchased them on an old rugged cross just outside the walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Did you get that? And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. That's why it's your reasonable service. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, you got a double feature today. In closing, let me say that life is the gift of God. Now, my little granddaughter, six weeks this Sunday, today. Abby's been in the hospital six weeks today. And life becomes more precious when you realize only God can give life. The best doctors in all of Fort Worth, I'm sure, has been through Abby's room. They still do not know why her lungs collapsed, her kidneys shut down, her liver swelled, and most of her pancreas has disappeared. I don't know too many other vitals that needs to go south for you to go. No blood pressure at all. 
when the ambulance arrived. Have you ever heard a doctor give you the assurance when he says, I don't know what's wrong? Well, I just thank the Lord we know somebody that does know what's wrong. And we realize today that life is a gift of God. If you're still breathing and you're still using God's oxygen, you ought to thank God for the gift of life. But here's a better one. The Bible said the gift of God is eternal life. Through an offering and a sacrifice that was made by God on Calvary's tree. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are not a Christian, you do not know that heaven is your home. Let me tell you about a sacrifice that was worthy of God. It was outside the walls of Jerusalem when God said, it's finished. Everything that has been needed to do for you to go to heaven has been taken care of. He offered himself as an offering and a sacrifice for us. Whatever you can do for him, he's worthy of your sacrifice. So today, would you just be obedient to God and present yourself a living sacrifice worthy of him? This year, live worthy. This year, walk worthy. This year, give worthy. This year, serve worthy.